This is the Gifted Kid Complex, the show where the panelists were gifted kids who refused to move on with a satirical take on intellectual elitism by having the most tongue-in-cheek, inane, pedantic, and convoluted conversations every week. Introducing your host this episode, her burnout is imminent, it's Taya C. <laughs> the brush is mightier than the sword. The brush <laughs> is mightier than not the pen? The brush. The brush. It's okay. Kind of quirky. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, and every other episode, she's ambitious to the point of hubris. Your host will be Shessy. The pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> <laughs> you really had to do me like that. You really had to do me like that. <laughs> That's the best follow-up tagline on the show so far. So I just got violated. Um, each panelist here today has experienced gifted kid syndrome growing up in some way. My younger self aspired to many great things. Um, and here I am struggling through a BA in history at Oxford. Well, the fact that you got into Oxford is enough already, right? Like It hasn't <laughs> cured the crippling need in me for academic validation it has only intensified it further. That is fair. <laughs> so my gifted kid syndrome has led me to do many things outside of academia as well. I have ventured into many disciplines, especially creatively. And for some reason, I'm always the one who is taking charge of it because I guess I'm really picky and I don't like it when I'm following other people's instructions and I don't like their instructions. <laughs> I fully welcome this because I'm, you know, my initials are like TC, right? Mm-hmm. That stood for Team Carry in in high school, <laughs> so I was always the one who was doing the work. So I'm very happy to follow someone else's lead on this uh, and help out help out where I can. I'm glad that you're enjoying that because I I just I struggle <laughs> to listen when I disagree with the creative direction that other people take. I think I'm having the best time. So I'm um, glad we can do a fun fact. Do you have a fun fact? A fun fact. Um, sure. Yeah, go for um, it. When I was 12, 13, I got into a very selective summer school, actually, um, where I did creative writing when I was 13. And Jenny, who is actually on our researching team now, and she'll be on the show as well, came with me. This was actually the subject of a poem that I wrote. Um, so I've always been into creative writing, although that camp, was kind of where I started really enjoying writing poetry even though I wasn't good at it when I was there I only got better at it after I left ironically (laughs) (laughs) I guess my fun fact is that um I also went to a creative writing camp even though I was meant to go to a philosophy one that's weird yeah because I didn't have any spaces so I had to do creative writing where was yours? Mine was at Stanford. Mine was at Cambridge. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's really funny because I nearly went to Stanford and you nearly went to Cambridge. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I applied to Cambridge. <laughs> anyway, I've taken the artistic liberty today to quote from Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've not read this. Okay, but you know what it is. I do know what it is. Great. So I've quoted from Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray, which is a book. 
And I've quoted a line from Lord Henry Wotton. His dialogue is strange to read um, at first. He says a whole bunch of things that seem to go round in circles and make absolutely no sense. Mm. And that's the entire point of them. Anyway, the quote is, Good artists exist simply in what they make and consequently are perfectly uninteresting in what they are. That hurts. (laughs) As a creative in many a discipline, that stings. It does. He goes, the rest of the quote is, um, a great poet, a really great poet, is the most unpoetical of all creatures. But inferior poets are absolutely fascinating. The worse their rhymes are, the more picturesque they look. Huh. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Hmm. <laughs> that is that is an interesting position to take. Are these quotes a reflection of what Oscar Wilde actually thought on a personal level as opposed to just for the character? It's no, always interesting to think about. I would not say so. I think um, people kind of see Lord Henry Wharton as like, you know, the mouthpiece of the author. Mm. But I don't actually think that's what the what the point of the book mm. is. Yeah, the unreliable narration is a really big part of why whatever Sylvia Plath's interpretation of um, mental illness was. So I think a lot of people kind of reductively look at the bell jar as if it is autobiographical because there are a lot of similarities between her and yeah. the speaker right because that's the depiction it's first person narration Mm. right we can only write from what we know we can't write things that Mm. we don't think um yeah it's interesting that we talk about whether what characters say have anything to do with what authors think Mm. speaking of like psychological portrayals within novels i think that the picture of dorian gray is a very interesting psychological kind of like representation of Oscar Wilde himself Mm. um Lucas helped me write this Lucas is another one of our researchers um Oscar Wilde himself kind of was trying to get himself out of prison (laughs) so his art for art's sake is like a you know um don't pay too much attention to the gay shit in this book uh it's not that deep guys (laughs) art was never that that deep. deep um it's not that deep guys art was never that deep but in reality it is very deep and you know he there's several lines in it which are like oh the painter is the kind of um the painter is the painting and the painting is the painter like the painter's self is in the painting interesting um and so the destruction of that is a destruction of the self like the destruction of art is the destruction of the self so simultaneously wilde says don't put too much stock into my art i'm not gay i promise eyes no homo and also if you destroy this art you destroy me um, I would like to reiterate again. Yes, I did a level English literature. No, I have not read the picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> so I actually, uh, this is not landing with me at all. I don't, I don't really know what goes on in that book. If I'm being honest, so yeah, I'm just like, yes, I'm not mm, spoiling it. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not spoiling it. I'm not spoiling it. It's a pretty, it's a very interesting book, especially with how it deals with death and what that means. For the, the death of the author, the death of the art, the death of kind of mm. that and what that means for our morals and what that means for our ethics and how therefore we should think about art and treat art and make art. 
you're talking about ethics and aesthetics at the same time. They're both they're two branches of axiology. So that's like axiology is the branch yeah. of philosophy where we attribute value to something. Um, so it's more normative. So we talk about justice, um, morality, aesthetic, value, and things like that. And it's interesting to see how people kind of link those together i think like there's the idea like there's that one meme where it's like oh if you if you kill a butterfly you're you're a monster but if you kill a cockroach you're a hero Uh, just because we attribute aesthetic value to things and you know if you destroy something that's conventionally deemed aesthetically of more value than you seem morally worse and it's interesting to see because aesthetics and morality don't inherently seem to be very linked at least on the surface Mm. and yet on a psychological level we do tend to equate them Mm. um and I think the picture of Dorian Gray essentially just kind of ties the two together and says that we have no choice but to moralize art mm. but also I think do you know um Faust it was an opera by Goethe um and it's that sacrificing spiritual values for material gain just absolutely simplifying these very advanced and very nuanced concepts very 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 advanced <laughs> concepts with i'm not an english student we're just completely bastardizing an entire subject i know i just bastardized like some article i read off of jstor very um, cool <laughs> and moving on to yeah. the next segment <laughs> you're welcome for that perfect segue Yes, amazing segue. So we're going to be playing Connect the Dots. Oh, oh gosh. Oh no. This is the game where we spot the connections. And today I will present a list of things that might not seem related. And the panel's goal is to find the hidden connection or the common denominator between them. So I have four things for you. Oh, Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, and one is slightly different than the other. Is it a red herring? Um, a little bit. But, okay. like, it's kind Great. of the one out. Can't wait. So if you can... So you've got two challenges. Tell me what the okay. connection between the things are and which one might be mm-hmm. the one out. Okay, so you have... Number one is bright light. Okay. Bright number light. Number two is the four olds. The four olds? Yeah, four olds. So old with an S at the end. Okay. And then the third is just stop oil plus sunflowers. <laughs> if you're not watching the video episodes, my face is doing some weird shit right now. <laughs> and the fourth is fucking Robbo. So we have bright light, the four olds, just stop oil plus sunflowers. And fucking Robbo. I'm completely blanking on this. What? <laughs> what are any of these things? Okay, what? Wait, hold on. Bright light, the four olds, just stop oil plus sunflowers, fucking Robbo. What the fuck is Robbo? I don't know what that is. Is fucking an intensifier or is it a verb? It's an intensifier. It's an intensifier. Okay, bright light. When you said bright light, I was like, oh, okay, maybe these are going to be theater things. And then you said the other three things. I was like, oh, well, I guess not. <laughs> I guess that's not the case. Um, the four olds. 
This is a history one. Oh, okay. The four olds. When you said that, I, I don't know. Um, sounds like some kind of like primordial deities, or what people might refer to as primordial deities. Kind or, of. Or um, perhaps, kind of, or like old figures that were very revered and are no longer like named, or that kind of thing. Um, mm, you're, but I somewhat nearly like you're on the right line i'm gonna give you the hint okay and the hint is that the four olds is actually a translation to english from chinese this is the chinese so um is the chinese yes is the four olds is this the cultural revolution yes it is the cultural rev Mm, okay so these things that are kind of overthrown or are kind of pushed away or kind of rejected just stop oil plus sunflowers hmm okay i mean i think i mean thinking about chinese i was like this is what came to mind because um jiayou is kind of like um that like go or it's kind of like dale in spanish or gambate in japanese that kind of thing um, so jokingly, a lot of Chinese people will say add oil in English because that's basically the direct translation. You're not on the money with this one. Okay. Do you want to know what the hint is? Sure. Tell me the hint. The hint is tomato soup. Campbell soup was um, an Andy Warhol thing. <laughs> that's Art is the right way to go with this. Like art is the definitely okay. right way to go with this. All right, all right. Sunflowers is obviously a very famous painting by yeah. Van Gogh. That's right. That's 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 what the sunflowers is. Okay. What the fuck is stop oil? <laughs> okay, current well, affairs. You've got tomato soup stop and it. sunflowers by Van Gogh. Oh, wait. No, someone poured someone yes. put tomato soup on on sunflowers. Okay. That's it. That's okay, no, I remember this so now. So you have the Cultural okay. Revolution. Someone dust up oil protesters threw tomato soup on Van Gogh's sunflowers. Lastly, you have Bright Light and fucking Robbo. Okay, so these are protests. Good. Or things that are things Good. that have been protested or... Iconoclasm is the right word you're looking for. Ah. You've already kind of nailed the connection, basically. It's just figuring out what the it. other things are through the connection of it figuring out what the other things are bright light is light literal or is this kind of like a euphemism for something else literal light is literal bright light is the um bright light is the odd one out yeah it is people in museums are very wary of bright light yeah um i mean the paint or the pigments start to lose their that's it um intensity Bright light causes the paint to kind of um, lose color. Do you see the line? It's kind of making things aesthetically worse, right? It's like the degradation or destruction of art. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Is King Robert like an art piece that I'm just not aware of? Uh, fucking Robbo is a visual piece of art and it's located underneath the British Transport Police headquarters underneath the british it's under a bridge okay i'm assuming it's graffiti yeah it is but the original thing wouldn't be art um so the guy who painted the fuc 
over King mm-hmm. Robbo was Banksy. Oh, okay. I mean, I was kind of gonna go there, but I was like, mm, I don't know, because I'm not, I don't really know about, uh, yeah, I should have said that. I was thinking it, well, now, well, people you will never believe it. me that I was thinking yeah. <laughs> No, I believe you. I was just like, you. Uh, I was thinking it, but I didn't say it. So just trust me. Um, Robbo painted King Robbo. And then Banksy kind of got into a fight with Robbo. And there's a big documentary on this that I've put in the show notes in, on Channel 4. Okay. It's called Graffiti Wars. And Banksy then, him and Robbo uh, exchanged a little bit of animosity in a bar. And afterwards, Banksy went and painted over his shit. Oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> It was an art piece and then more art happened to it that made it worse. Or I guess it was defacing the original thing. Okay. Yes. So the four olds is the cultural rev. Right. Uh, Just a bowl and sunflowers is tomato soup on Van Gogh. Um, And fucking Robbo is graffiti wars. So the other, the three, right? Okay. Are political or kind of iconoclasm, right? The kind of like. Uh, destruction or defacement yes, of art yes, yes, for yes. political purpose or for kind of social purpose or because mm. of feud. Bright light is not that. Bright light is just paintings degrading because of bright light. Interesting. Really fun. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, 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 yeah. So on Christmas Day 2009, Banksy had a painting underneath like a uh, of a workman. Okay. Um. And it was uh, covering one of Robbo's pieces. And so Robbo covered the work with King Robbo. So it seemed like Banksy's workman was painting it. Ah. And then three days later, the letters F-U-C appeared before the word King on King Robbo. So then tit for tat kind of overpainting continued. Uh, But unfortunately, on the 2nd of April, 2011, uh, King Robbo sustained a life-threatening head injury. Whoa. Um before his exhibition in Shoreditch. Uh, and it was an accidental fall. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, it's what we think it is. And later, uh, the mural in Camden for Robbo was painted over with the additions of a can- uh, of a crown and a can of spray paint oh. with the hazard symbol of a flame above it. And it was painted by Banksy as a tribute uh, to him to end the feud Aww. in the sense of lighting a candle for him like with the flame above the hazard sign because Robbo was in I a coma see. that's yeah uh Robbo then died uh in 2014 uh he never regained oh, consciousness gosh. after the coma yeah so it's very sad wow that is very sad and what I found kind of interesting about this is that you kind of go from like a feud between artists and it's graffiti mm. so of course vandalism is um illegal in many places yeah so the choice to do that and the risk is what is part of what makes the art the art um and so then circumstances kind of intervene and artists come together i think the history of graffiti is really interesting because i think graffiti was very common in ancient rome question Mm. mark i think it was just normal for them to write shit around and Mm. that was kind of normal um, I think so. so it's interesting the um well I, um, maybe I'm wrong so if I'm wrong you'll find out in the show notes <laughs> um but uh creating art uh, art I guess um you know graffiti however you want to describe whatever graffiti is um because I guess it depends on your perspective in public spaces has been yeah like but it's based on your perspective but like culturally the perspective has shifted about whether graffiti is loud mm. whether it's 
a thing that's mm. value neutral and fine yeah. and everyone can do it and it's not a big deal it's about you know how we make art who is allowed to make art yeah why is it that they are allowed to make art and no one else is um and that's political that's social that's kind of to do with the interrelationships of, of people um which i find mm. is really interesting and exhibited in a really raw way in street art mm. on the streets and um you don't have to pay to see it you can just walk and see it um yeah yeah it's interesting that graffiti is both art and also vandalism mm. um that kind of intersection you know it's that iconoclasm um this is all about like the ethics of vandalism and the eth- ethics of kind of right. iconoclasm as a whole um because we inherently moralize art uh, art is tied with life and death as kind of Robbo's paintings was tied with his life. Yeah. So I find it very interesting how art has the power to do that. That is interesting. <laughs> I have a friend, I have a flatmate yeah. who uh, I, I, I used to live with someone who did history of art. So this would be right mm. up her alley. Unfortunately, mm. I know next to nothing about it. The fact that I got any of these things is shocking to me. Me either. Uh, <laughs> me either. <laughs> I don't know much about the history of art at all. This is completely not my wheelhouse. Um, you know, right. actually, when I was a kid, I didn't get art at all. Mm. How so? What do you mean? Like, um, I was always a big reader, right? Like, I re- like to read and I liked words. Um, and then they take me to, the, you know, I go to the museum with my family because we're all big museum goers. Yeah. And I'd stare at the art and I wouldn't know what the fuck to think. I don't know. I have no thoughts. Head empty. Like... Actually, to be honest, I am also like that. I am in, I like, even now, <laughs> yeah. as an artist, I still don't really, uh, I feel bad about this because I'm just Me like, too. wow, this is on a, on, a, on a technical level. I'm like, wow, this is done well, I suppose. But the fine arts have never really done it for me. In terms of moving mm. me, in terms of artistry, it's re- it's mostly been writing and yeah. music, um, things that have a temporal quality to them. Um, yeah. I think the fine yeah. arts have kind of been as much as I respect them and I find it very interesting and and I've I've drawn I've done graphic design I've tattooed so I've been someone who does like visual mm. arts it's still for me it doesn't move me as much um, when I go to the museum I prefer to go to a natural history museum science museum <laughs> you know I yeah I was very similar as a, as a kid I didn't get it and that frustrated me a lot because you know gifted kids I was used to getting everything really fast and I, I wanted to, to be able to not having to do much work to understand something but art was mm-hmm. one of those things like visual art was one of those things that never really kind of hit I think we're allowed to have our tastes as well and I I and I, I want to say this in general to any listeners out there and anybody who feels like they don't appreciate something enough um sometimes you don't have to in order to be Mm. gifted or in order to be like someone who appreciates highbrow things Mm. um I don't think you need to listen to very complex jazz or classical music to be yeah someone who like truly does enjoy uh, music you know Mm. someone who truly enjoys listen the the listening experience um Mm. and I think the same way the fine arts um as much as we can appreciate them I don't like at least on a cerebral level if it doesn't do Mm. something for you it doesn't do something for you and I think that's okay but obviously full respect to artists 
And with that, oh yeah, because it's our podcast, we make the rules. Let's get away from the highbrow shit. We have uh, what's that line? Yes. Um. So we're gonna give lines How or exciting. quotes from our favorite, and Cher can also give me some of these, so we can both guess. Yes. Um. Of our favorite kind of pieces of media on the internet. So this is like music, TV, anything, uh, at all. Uh, mm-hmm. The other person must uh, identify what property the line is from and bonus points if they can provide specific details about the line, who says it, the context, mm-hmm. um, etc. So would you like to go first? Sure. I'm going to start with <laughs> my least highbrow one. The line is, <laughs> bread makes you fat. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Uh... Yes. Is it um, a song? It is not a song. Although it would be amazing if there was a song that contained the lyrics, bread makes you fat. Listen, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, is it a book? It depends on what you mean by book. Is it like a a manga? It's a graphic novel. Ooh, okay. Do I know this graphic novel? I don't know if you know it. By the way, context, Taya told me to prepare three quotes from anything so uh (laughs) i don't know maybe you don't know it (laughs) okay it's it's a graphic novel i might not know it Mm -hmm. then i don't really i don't think i know this i don't think i know it yeah no it's scott pilgrim (laughs) oh no i don't know it (laughs) yeah no we'll watch scott pilgrim together it's a great great okay mm. i think scott pilgrim is probably my favorite movie adaptation of graphic novel Hmm. wait why um, they keep in kind of like the paneling, um, they the framing, mm. and um, everything is very true to the graphic novel. Um, it looks the same. It's incredible. Um, Whoa. Yeah, they use diegetic text as well. It's very cool. We'll watch it at some point together. Okay, we I will. will give you one of mine. Scheduled to pass. Let's just call it dying. Okay, this is not ringing any bells for me. Is it, it, it from literature? But I'm pretty sure you have watched this watched it okay i just gave it away um oops (laughs) the good place that can't be right no ah gosh no this is not ringing any bells for me i can't do it i can give you another quote from the same show oh okay um show us something real and free and beautiful you couldn't it'll break us we're too numb for it no this i don't think i've watched this there's no way you've referenced it before in the podcast what yeah what in episode two it's a very famous british tv show on netflix it's a british uh uh is it a panel show or is it like no it's tv okay 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 i've referenced this that makes it so much worse by the way in in episode two (laughs) tattoos and transhumanism you reference this show (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It's Black Mirror. Oh, okay. What episode of Black Mirror? Uh, so Shadow to Pass, let's call it Dying, comes from San Junipero, which is my favorite episode. Thank you very much. Oh. Um, yeah, because it comes from Kelly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, okay. Um, yeah. The second quote comes is said by Bing in 15 million merits. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like... Black Mirror quotes aren't really in my head. No, they, they're, they're not. <laughs> Do you want to give me one of yours? Sure. Give me one um, of yours. Give me one of yours. So I have a treat for you. 
Oh my god, she's gonna play. I know. <gasps> and the birds can make the way better. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, girl. I don't know what song that was, but you slayed. <laughs> you oh, ate. Like, <laughs> you want to make a guess based on? I'll I'll say the lyrics. <laughs> no, I won't know. I won't know. But um, you ate. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um. So it's the birds gonna make the wedding bed, and the trees gonna lay the wedding table. And the river's gonna give us the wedding bands. Is it like? Is it? A, it's a ballad, right? It. That's the kind of. Mm, it's a duet. Oh. I actually sang two parts just now. <laughs> you slayed. You ate. Thank no you. crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a musical. Oh. It's a oh, musical. Shit! I have to know this shit. Okay. Um. <laughs> It's a musical about Greek mythology. What? If that helps. It doesn't. <laughs> okay, it's Hades Town. <laughs> oh, it's Hades Town. <laughs> I don't know that, but slide. <laughs> we love to see okay. it. My next quote, if you don't get this one, if you don't get this one, it'll be uh. embarrassing as fuck. And I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing. Oh, Oh, and it would be mildly offensive oh, no. if I could. To whomever the song was by. <laughs> the quote is, I cried honey liquor tears and ripped the sugar from my head. alone in bitter lemon dread right so where is this from this is from my new single called into the wicked by Cher (laughs) (laughs) that was the only one we got I was actually thinking of putting my own writing in my quotes to see if you knew my writing no I did (laughs) yeah I know you did it (laughs) um I was thinking of putting my own poetry in there to see if you remembered any of my poems. Maybe I would have, actually. Um, <sighs> it's Anyway, the quote that I quoted is from the second verse, and it's my favorite two lines. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I wrote that song when I was 17, so I'm glad that 17-year-old me's lyricism was nice for you, that you enjoyed it. Thank you. Of course. Okay. <laughs> With that... Thank you for listening to the Gifted Kid Complex. If you have enjoyed this episode of our podcast and would like to support us, a very simple way to do so is just to let people know that we're here and subscribe and follow so you can come back every week and rate and review us so others can find us too. We always appreciate hearing anything you, our listeners, have to say. If you'd like to contact us to make any suggestions or share some interesting stuff with us, you can do so via the link tree in our show notes. If you're able to, we are also now on Patreon. 
And it is linked in our show notes as well, alongside any citations and references to topics that we discussed today, if you would like some further reading. And for now, we'll release a few short bonus episodes as and when, made out of the fascinating tangents that landed on the cutting room floor for free. But by joining us on Patreon, you can access exclusive bonus content as well, including the video episodes that are not uploaded to YouTube. The Gifted Kid Complex is created and managed by Shessi, and both Cher and I host, write, produce, and edit for the show. Our researchers are Delaney L, Jenny S, and Lucas H, who also help with transcription and writing, and our short-form editor is RJ. Um, Lucas helped come up with the title for this episode, by the way, which I realized I'd never said, uh, which is Over Art's Dead Body? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Um, we record our episodes on riverside.fm and publishersrss.com so thank you to them for helping us in making the gifted kid complex exist and finally thank you to you our listeners because you are the reason that we can and do make the gifted kid complex Uh, we have so so much fun with it this was a very self-indulgent episode from me and we hope you love it too (laughs) thank you for listening thank you stream shares music on you uh on YouTube and <laughs> iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music and all of the shit, okay? 